the idea of like having a mission for the business and for like our team, I think is a lot of times like rooted in the ability that we're going to be like helping other people. And if that just means we're helping other breweries like spread their dream. And like if somebody comes in and says, hey, can I get some placement in this part of your fridge? Like we're a brand new brewery. We're starting out like that stuff like puts my hair up because I'm like, dude, you're yeah. doing it. That's what I want to see. Like I, I would love to make that connection. Welcome back to the Brewdet Podcast, where something's always brewing. I'm your host, Richie Tevlin, joined by Evan Bloom. And uh, today we have one of my friends, uh, owner of Stone's Beverage in Brewtown, Nick Wendowski. Hey, welcome, so, guys. Welcome. Hey, Nick. Hey, nice to here. meet you. Yeah, so uh, well, something a little bit different today. We have not a brewery owner on, but a, what do you, would you call yourself, beer distributor? Yeah, we're a traditional beer distributor okay. by, you know, license. Yeah. Uh, so in Pennsylvania and Philly, beer distributors are, are all over the place. Yeah. So yeah, I would say a retailer by nature, cool. but now we've migrated a bit into like the wholesale world. Yeah, and you have a lot of other stuff going on that we're yeah. gonna get into. But um, I know you know everyone wants to get an update on where you're at with your brewery or with your new uh, beer, guess, beer distributor. Yeah. Um, but I want to hold off on that. I want to sure. kind of talk to your story about that. Make people stop wishing to it later <laughs> on. You know. Yeah. Sure. Um, cool. So I guess you used to be a nurse. Yeah. You graduated Temple. Totally. Came registered nurse, <laughs> and now you own a beer distributor. How how did that all happen? Yeah, you know, uh, life, I'm a little bit older than, than some of you guys, but you know how it goes. Life just sometimes just takes you in a different path. Mm -hmm. We're going to open these now. I'm going to open I'm going to I'm sorry. Let's no crack it open. Nancy. <laughs> cheers. 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 Yeah, so... I don't know. I think my story is not actually all that unique compared to other small business owners, honestly. Like, you don't really go to school most times and think to yourself, okay, I'm going to school so I can start a small business on the corner in my neighborhood. Yeah, definitely not. You, know, you go to business school thinking I'm going to get a job in marketing or consulting or something like that. The opportunity so, rises, I guess. Yeah, it's different. You know, it's different. Like, I was in school. I think in general, my, my nature is I'm a giver. Um, I really enjoy people. I like taking care of people, either whether it be my family, my friends. So I knew that kind of at my core when I was in school. And then I had a buddy who was uh, in the nursing program at Temple. Mm -hmm. And I was in the exercise and sports science program, something different. And uh, he was like, listen, man, you work three days a week. You can travel all over the world. You always have a job. And you're going to work with a ton of women. And I was... <laughs> You know, 19, I was like, all right, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, not a bad game. So I switched it up a little <laughs> bit, took a couple summer classes, came out, got my degree, and I worked at Penn for a lot, for many, many years as a nurse. Um, so learned a ton there that relate to my life now, for sure. The biggest thing is that, um, you know, this is just beer, right? Like the stress of taking care of people, life or death situations has given me a ton of perspective in being a small business owner. Because the stress that I feel now is different, but I can always call back to like, all right, this is nothing to when I was saving somebody's life or mm -hmm. somebody was like, you know, collapsing on me. Like, I have a lot of perspective on, you know, how to keep things chill, how to keep make sure my team stays stays relaxed, keeps it on perspective. Like, it really is just beer. Like, this is not if someone's delivery's a little late or oh, we dropped the case. Like, all right, let's just all. Take a pause. Beer is very important. We're going to be beer. all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're going to be all right. Yeah. So I did that for a lot of years. And then 
we live in, my wife and I live in, um, in Francisville or Spring Garden, Fairmount area. So right around 17th and Fairmount where the store is. And my wife was in uh, corporate America for a while. And then she was kind of like going all over the city doing yoga. And she was like, I want to start my own yoga studio. So this is before we were married. We were just dating. I was like, yeah, you should do it. So she quit her job. Kind of like how you did. She quit her job and started working on opening our own yoga studio, which is like pretty close to where we, where we lived. At the time, I had migrated out of nursing. I was like in consulting at that time, healthcare consulting. And um, she got she got up and running with this, this uh, yoga studio. And then we eventually got married and she was loving life, very fulfilled, like really enjoying going to work every day. I was having Sunday scaries like every night. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I gotta write this report. I gotta get on a plane. Again, perspective, right? Like my life could have been a lot worse. I was doing just fine. You know, I could have done it probably for a long time. Mm -hmm. Probably would have been more lucrative, frankly, but you know, I wasn't happy. So this beer store stones that I own now or that we own now is across the street from the yoga studio. So we were kind of like already creating a little life right where we were at. We were in our neighborhood. We were walking to the yoga studio or she was, our kids were starting to, you know, our kids were growing up. They were going to go to school right in the right in the neighborhood. We loved like being in like really focusing on the community and being like where we're living where we're at. And then Stones kind of like organically we heard that they may be up for sale. And I won't go into the whole story about how we bought it, but it was like hell on earth. It was so hard. These they don't make these licenses anymore, right? Like a D license in Pennsylvania, they don't create them. The amount that there are is the amount that there are. You either get handed it down from your family, which is how a lot of them work, or you're in the right place at the right time and somebody maybe wants to sell one to you. So we were squirreling away all of our money for something. We didn't know what. And then this kind of came up and I was like, all right, maybe this could be my exit from corporate America. And um, we started in the conversations with the previous owner who owned the beer store and he owned the real estate that the beer store sat on. And um, it took us about 18 months to actually close the deal. I, wow. went, I went there every day for 14 months, sat in the office with him, uh, just trying to like ingratiate myself, say like, listen, man, this thing's going to be in good hands. Like, <laughs> I, I lived in the street, this whole thing. The every yoga studio's work, I, right there. Yeah, like I didn't have any kids yet really, or I had one on the way. So I had some time. I have no time now. But I had some time, so I was going in there every single day. Eventually, like eight months in, he was finally like, you want a beer? And we were in the, I was, I saw him every day after work for eight months. He was finally like, you want a beer? I was like, all right, maybe, I'll, maybe he's going to sell this thing. To me. <laughs> so all the while though, I'm just saving money, hoping. And then eventually he was like, all right, I'll sell it to you. Wait, so what year was this? What year this did you in, buy? Uh, that was, that started in 17. And okay. And it took us all the way through 18 into 19 to buy it. Okay. It took a long time. I basically brokered the deal because the previous owner really wasn't in a good place to sell it. He really wanted to sell it, but his books were kind of a mess. Not that I knew anything about books then, but like his books were kind of a mess and he really didn't have the skill set to kind of like, even just to send his lawyer, you know, a piece of paper that he needed for the bank. Like he was not really in that place. It was a dilapidated building also. It's the, like he almost like kind of took over this like broken business and then... Big time. Yeah. Yeah, the building which Richie's like you're alluding to is was not great. Like many beer distributors in Philly and in Pennsylvania in general, like this is an old industry, right? Beer is obviously plenty old, but beer distributors in our state are especially old. They are run down generally. 
Like I'm, I'm talking in mass. Like there's plenty of really great stores in Philly. This is not a knock on that. But in general, a lot of our stores are kind of like, they're, they're old. And our store, the store that we bought, was old. I mean, they're passed down from generation yeah. to generation. And, Absolutely. you know, back when, you know, you couldn't buy beer at a corner store. Like, that's totally. where you got beer at. And it was just, they kind of stayed where well, yeah. were years and years. And to expand on that, in Pennsylvania, for those who don't know, up until 2016, you could only buy, the minimum amount of beer you could buy, by law, was a case of beer. Like, you guys, are, you're 25, right? Yep. You can get a single at the foodery. You can go yeah. to the grocery store and get a four pack. That didn't exist. No way. Before 2016, if you came and you only could buy beer at my store or a store like mine before that time, there was no That's beer crazy. anywhere else. Only there. Yeah, I so, wouldn't know anything of it. I mean, I turned yeah. 21. Four years ago, sure. so that's yeah, crazy. So, so there, the point I'm making is there was no competition. There was no reason for any of the beer distributors yeah, so that's to keep up. 2017 comes around and he's like, oh, I was like just treading water. And now like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> yeah, like you really, before 2016, you could just put the beer on the shelf mm-hmm. in a case form and be like, all right, it's here. people, come get it. Like you don't have an option. You can't yeah. break this thing down. You have to buy a case of... Whatever the beer is, even if you wanted this to try it. And I, yeah. I remember even, I mean, I I turned 21, like, kind of right before that happened. Sure. But even I remember, like, they were, like, these rundown buildings. And they were, like, you know, there wasn't much options for even cold beer. It was, <laughs> like, they didn't care at all. There was warm cases of beer just sitting on, like, shelves. It looked like Costco and, like, totally. couldn't do anything. That is the traditional feeling that was... Happened for many, many years before the 16, and then 16 really like changed the game a bit. Did they know this change was coming into the industry, or is it just kind of like pretty abrupt? Yeah, well, the way it works is there's always legislation in the state to loosen Quaker restrictive sure. yeah. liquor laws. Shout always. out Brewers of Pennsylvania. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so, so I'm a member of the Malt Beverage Distributors Association, which is like our trade group mm-hmm. or our lobbying arm, and um. We are like fighting all the time to make sure like our business can be preserved. Before 2015 and or 2016, like we a beer distributor group, they didn't want to change anything. I would much rather, from a business point of view, now I don't feel this way anymore. But if I owned the store back then, I don't want I don't want to break down to six packs and four packs because that's smaller ticket sizes. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I'd rather you just buy a case for 45. So I know everybody's ticket is going to be 40, 40 bucks. If it ain't broke, don't fix right. it. Right. So like if I owned the store back then, I'm sure I'd be like, all right, as a consumer, of course I want to have the six pack. But as a business owner, cases sound great to me. Now we run a very different store now. So I have no desire for that. I love the variety. I love people mix, mix and match in six packs and four packs, pouring samples. Like there was a lot of rules that were changed at that time. And yeah, generally they know if something's going to like pass or not. They kind of know. Mm-hmm. So they knew it was coming. But most beer distributor owners, at least in PA, they're not like day to day keeping up on the legislation in, you know, in, in Harrisburg. <laughs> so at some point, some sales rep came in and said, you can sell this as a four, four six pack now. And some of them, I'm sure, were like, what? And that's so the then they had to buy moment. fridges and like re- redesign stores. And, you know, it went through a, it was a major <laughs> Located in Malvern, Pennsylvania, at 53 Ton Road, Locust Lane Craft Brewery keeps it simple yet flavorful, crafting beers that are traditional and praiseworthy. Bring your friends and family and enjoy their outdoor deck, Sunday brunch, and slow roasted meats from Foster Ave Barbery. You can find them on Instagram at Locust Lane CB 
Once again, that's at Locust Lane CB. And if you're not in Chester County, don't worry. They ship their beer statewide. So head to locustlanecraftbrewery.com for more info. Cool. So yeah. it kind of takes us to our next point. Like, you are a beer distributor, you're not a brewery. Um, we were kind of talking before we got started here, like, you know, why have you on besides sure. of a brewery? Um, but I was talking to a friend the other day. They described, like, this thing called, and I kind of relate it back to, like, why people like breweries. Like, taste is obviously very important. People like drinking local. People like the, t the different tastes of craft beer. And it's just kind of something different and exciting. But there's this idea, it's like this Japanese term, ikigai. Where it's like you create a job where you know you're making it has four parts to it. You're making money, people want it, you enjoy it, and you're good at it. And like that's that. kind of like you know like this meaning of life almost. That's where like cool. these people like kind of find a job where kind of it serves all those things. Yeah, then like, yeah, yeah. and I think that people are almost attracted to breweries because it's this artisan approach where like you know not only does it taste good and not only are you helping it locally, but like. They they feel when they come in and they have a beer there, you know they're feeling like they're connected to it. And yeah. like the same story that you have, where you had another job before you started this. Sure. Oh, that's how a lot of craft breweries start. Where other people, you know, they work normal nine to five. They don't like it. They like the craft beer, so they yeah. kind of switch career paths. Something that they like and then they're passionate about. Yeah. So as much as you don't own a brewery, sure. you essentially are kind of doing the same exact thing. No question. Not physically producing the beer. Absolutely. I think that icky guy. Yeah. That is absolutely what Stones is for me, and it's what it is for a lot of our team too. Definitely, and you can no you question can, you can steal it. Like when you come in, I mean, your new uh, beer distributor isn't even open up yet, so no. you got, you're located now in Jefferson Jefferson Street yep. in Brewerytown, yep. and it feels like you're in like a cellar, like in Belgium yeah. or something. Like it feels like <laughs> you guys really put work into yeah, like no make doubt. this someplace that people would want to come and no enjoy. Doubt. And it feels like thank you when you walk in to buy the beer. You know, it's like an experience just to buy beer out of there. Yeah, that's very cool. Thanks for that. That's a good, nice compliment. Yeah, the building we're in right now is a temporary space because our building that we were in when we first started was demolished. We're now rebuilding that that building and moving back into that into our original location. But what Richie's talking about, like that space we're in right now, it was a brewery. Brewery Town had seventeen breweries in the in the neighborhood. Um, quite some time ago like a, a long time ago there's there's tunnels apparently under brewery town where they used to roll barrels under the ground to the schuylkill during prohibition to get the beer out of this out of the <laughs> that's city that's crazy how do we get to get how do like, we get come to that? on we gotta get down there brew has <laughs> gotta, gotta get down there but anyway yeah the point is like the place we're in right now it was that brewery poth brewery the it is so old i mean the floor is brick like they didn't even have proper like cement yet. That's how old it is. And it definitely feels like the place you should be buying beer. At the same time, we run a very community-centric business. So traditionally, beer, beer distributors are very transactional. It's like you come in, you find what you need, you ring up, you're out. We are trying to like flip that in a big way. Because we feel like all, a lot of our staff, a lot of our team members, they live in the neighborhood. They really enjoy being in the neighborhood. They enjoy the people they work with. They enjoy the customers that they see. I live in the neighborhood, so I really want to make sure I can serve the community in a way that is a more experiential, um, a better experience as opposed to like transactional. We want it to be experiential. We don't want it to just be, you know, you come in, give me your card, and you're headed out. Like we, we want you to know you can ask us about the beers. Maybe we compare it with, for something with you. Maybe we can give you a sample from our tap, we're gonna have some, a tap system there. 
Um, maybe you can come to an event. Like beer shippers don't have events, really. Yeah. They have samplings that breweries will come in and do, but like, why can't we have food trucks on Tuesdays and you can come get samples and like have music? Like there's a lot of things we can do that we, where we kind of bridge what a traditional brewery or maybe a restaurant or a bar would do, even though we can't serve like that. But that kind of community feel like, oh, I'm going to go to Stones. It's like, it's a community-centered place. I can bump into friends and family there. I can get some swag. I can donate to a cause. Like, yeah. There's a million things that we can do just to engage with the people that really enjoy the store. Like You enjoyed it coming in and feeling like it's an experience. Like We want to just like double down on that as much as humanly possible. That's... I want this to be the least transactional place to buy beer in the city. Like It should feel like an experience every time. I mean, it's a tall task, but I think we can do it. That's so cool. The fact that like you can go into really craft beer that way and have all these different craft beer and brewery-like experiences to just from a distributor standpoint. It's really like breaking a norm. Sure. It's like, it's really, that's an exciting sort of thing. Yeah. And you guys yeah. kind of embrace craft beer as well. Like I... I learned about Tripping Animals, which is like now the hottest new brewery in the country. It's like I learned about them from Dan and Emily, these my two of my coworkers. They came in and like they were like, Oh, I brought you some beer from Stones and it was like they were going yeah, and like cool. kinda of peruse around <laughs> and you know, they no doubt. kinda of got introduced. I was like, Oh, these guys are kinda of laying it up down in Miami. Yeah. But it was it was it wasn't that they just brought me beer. It was like they went into Stones kind of experience it. They were used to coming in all the time, yeah. hanging out, kind of exploring what was happening there. That that experience that we just described there is really interesting to me because as the owner of the store, sometimes you don't get to really focus on the good, right? Like I'm just very much in a constant state of, okay, now I check this box, move to the next box. Like we just got, all right, now I need to get healthcare for everybody. Let's get healthcare. Oh, now we need to expand selection. Let's figure out how to do that. Whereas like that experience for them is incredible because when we bought the store, I mean, it was 95% domestic. I mean, it was all your traditional big domestic brands. And we just started like chopping that down. I'm all for it. It's no big deal. Yeah, please. I, I'm all discriminate a lick. You want to come in by Miller Lite? Be my guest. I would love to have a beer with you. Like that's totally cool with me. Cold 45? Yeah, I got that too. It's cool. <laughs> Or do you want a single bottle of Goose Island, you know, that comes out once a year, the Bourbon County? Sure, that's that's cool too. Like, we really chopped it away and we're like, I was buying any, every wholesaler that came in that was, uh, it was any of the guys, any of the big wholesalers that are in the area or small ones, they were going to sell us a case of craft beer. I was like, yes, absolutely. I said yes to pretty much everything from the jump and I was going to let it like flush out from there. You guys have, I don't this is kind of an odd term, like... I want to call them like international domestics. Like you guys have beer from like Germany and Belgium that are like, you know, people in America. Don't, you don't think about them as like as import beer. You think about them as like this is what people in Europe are drinking. Like when sure. you go in the back room of, of your uh, yeah of your uh, beer distributor, it's yeah. like you know it's not just Bud Light, Miller Light. Sure. It's like there's other beers, but you can tell that these are like mass produced beers in, in totally. Europe. And those are so hot right now. Like everybody wants like the yeah. German no German doubt. brewed domestic German brew beers. Yeah. Yeah, we we kind of see especially on the in, the import side. Like imports are growing, which is really interesting too. I always love to like pick people people pick people's brain who are like leaving with an import as to like why, like what's going on, what's happening there. I think that obviously we're seeing like a pendulum swing back a bit, right? Mm -hmm. Like some of our craft beers in the states got pretty 
pretty wild. Two craft. Yeah, I mean, you got bubble gum, you got bubble gum and cotton yeah, candy, yeah, yeah. And, you know, you name it, which is all good. Man. I mean, brewers should do what they want to do. Like, this is their brewery. I'm not going to tell anybody what the brewer. Not, I'm not a brewer, right? But at the same time, like, when that was happening, I think, like, eventually it maybe turned people to a place like, all right, like, this is the year of the lager, right? It's been the year of the lager for five years. Right? So... <laughs> We can see like our craft, the American craft brewers, like starting to trend back more traditional styles. And I think like imports were just kind of like a little bit ahead of that because they were already sitting on the shelves. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't a lot of our craft breweries, craft breweries that had, you know, a lager up there, even just like a clean Pilsner. And, you know, you name any of the traditional styles, like some of them have them in their core, but that wasn't like what was getting most of the most of the shelf space or what, what people weren't really like looking for initially. So I think the imports initially were really just like kind of a response of, of sorts for people like coming on the way back to some more traditional styles. So I think as long as like American craft can adapt and, and it seems like we are, like I'm bringing in way more, way more styles that are, you know, more traditionally brewed, which is great. Like I love being able to introduce people to not something that's like 9%. They can have one of them like sessionable, but flavorful is like, no, that's where it's There's at. There's a time and place for that. And sure. it, it'll always be in their craft beer. Yeah. But you can't drink six, 9% beers. <laughs> like you, like if you're tailgating, you're not drinking. Yeah, you like drink. the majority of beer that people are drinking is low ABV. Beers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, there's always going to be more of that. And I sure. think, you know, like we were saying, like craft kind of got so crazy where it's just sure. like, People wanted something that was just like a, a beer. Like they want a premium beer, but they don't want some this crazy fruit concoction that's nine sure. percent. You know, sure, sure. Or if they do, they don't want four, four of them. Exactly. You know what I mean? They want <laughs> you know a small a tulip pour. Definitely. You know, at at a bar with it, or at the, at the brewery. Definitely. Yeah, you know, or in a flight or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Our story's been it's been it's been a wild ride. I've only owned the store for four years. Uh, it's felt like. I mean, it's been a really, we bought the store, you know, the first couple months of just like owning any business. I mean, you guys are starting from scratch. So I'd say you're probably in a better shape than I was like cleaning up a business that's 50 years old is, I'm not going to say it's harder, but it is different than starting from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So we were cleaning a lot of stuff up and then COVID hit. So all of a sudden I was like, oh no, COVID I need to stand yeah, up. You just learned how to run a business. Yeah. And now you got to reinvent the Yeah, then down. I have to put ropes outside the store and I'm like, you can't come in. So that was odd, right? But we pivoted hard to delivery. Yeah. Our website's sure. really tight. I think we have the best beer buying experience in the city. It's a far. great website. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate it. There's no delivery fee. There's delivery fee. But yeah. it's cheap, right? It's, it's low. Like, it's four ninety nine. Yeah. Yeah. We we're trying to run free. on volume there. In my mind, that's free. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> but you know, trying to trying to turn that around like we had i had to hire four photographers to come in take pictures of the beer almost 24 7 like we were they were coming in at seven in the morning they were leaving at 11 at night shooting every single product getting it up onto the website we had to hire delivery drivers had to figure out how to how to man a delivery team Mm -hmm. in the beginning it was rough there was just a, a there was just a shelf and all the orders were on the shelf and if you were a driver you just came in and just took whatever you wanted now we route the routes like people it's all very efficient but in the, at that time, it was it was rough. It was go 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 yeah, for a while because we were the only place you could get beer too. Yeah. Like all the bars were closed. At, eventually, as COVID started we, like waning, then our landlord told us like we're gonna demolish the building. So now we had to like relocate. So the the demolishing thing was that yeah. I mean it was, you guys were obviously in an older building. Was that something that you were 
it, it obviously it's hurting you now, but is that something that you guys kind of took as like, this will be good for us in the long yeah, run? Yeah, we, I, I'm not, I'm not foolish. Like I, I knew that would happen. Yeah. Right. Like the guys that own the building are real estate developers. Yeah. And this is like a corner on a growing neighborhood. That's really big. Definitely. We're a single story. I mean, they're not getting nearly enough rent for that property that, that they could. So the fact that they demolished the building. Yeah. I mean, initial hit for sure. And I've never done it. Right. Like this is, I've never done any of it. I've never owned a, I never owned a business, let alone a beer store, right? So now I mean, I'm you like went from opening to COVID to this, this is to like, moving. Yeah. yeah. So we relocated. <laughs> yeah. And now we're gonna move back. Like I am dreaming of the day that we are in like our final location, and like my time can be spent on like working on the team yep. and trying to figure <laughs> out how to build community. Like right now, I'm kind of just like, all right, I gotta get a, I gotta get a contractor to put my kitchenette in. Like, I don't want to be planning that kind of stuff anymore, so. Yeah, what does building a kitchenette have anything to do with selling beer? Yeah, like nothing, right? And like, I'm like looking up code for proper air gaps for plumbing. I'm like, oh. okay, this is not what I was imagining. Yeah, you know not what the I best mean? use either. Yeah, yeah no when doubt. you're daydreaming about opening this up as a nurse, it's like, or a consultant, you're like, yeah. this is not what you had imagined. Not at all, not at all. Yeah, you are. But, you know, this is like anything else in life, too. It's, it's This is how... The, this is like how you're forged, right? Like you need adversity. If this was going to be easy, maybe I might not like it as much. I mean, there's been so many lows, but there's been so many highs too, right? And that, I would love to get them, take those highs and lows to just not be quite as high and quite as low. Like give me a line in the middle and get me close to it. That I think is like a beautiful existence uh, as a business owner. Um, like right now, it's probably not sustainable long term. Like if this had would happen for ten years, I, I don't think I'd make it. But no, it's not gonna happen for ten years. Right? I mean, yeah. you've gone through so yeah. much stuff. This is like yeah. not normal. Yeah, we're gonna be in the new store in a couple months, and um, you and know, COVID we, will be done. Yeah, COVID's, so. COVID's <laughs> over. So yeah, when things are looking up. Cool. <laughs> so with that being said, like, what's the update with the new store? Like you just said, a couple months. Like how close are you guys? Yeah, so I'm in there right now. This the building is built. I'm in there now. Like running wire essentially like we are waiting for the walls to get closed up with electricity permitting to come in like we probably should have a certificate of occupancy in the beginning of the year nice and then from there we have to get all of our stuff in so we have an enormous walk-in refrigerator it's like 50 feet long by 18 feet wide um we'll have 14 fridge doors you can open up and serve out of you can go in the fridge and you can shop in the fridge we'll have a whole this is a pet peeve of mine it's really hard to buy kegs i don't know if you guys ever tried to buy a keg Nope, not yet. It's uh, really challenging as a consumer to buy a keg because you can't see them. Like, no beer distributor has them on display for you to, like, shop shop them like you would shop, you know, a four-pack. Yeah. So we're going to have inside the fridge basically, like, six dozen quarters that are shoppable where you can just, like, go in there and you can look at them and you can see the pricing and the styles and the description just like everything else. So. That's a that's a, that's an exciting thing for us. We're gonna have a tap system so we can pour samples for of our own brands, or we can pour samples of a guest brand that's on. Uh, you can't drink it in the store per se because our license won't allow it. The sample you can drink in the store, but um, if you buy a beer, you can't necessarily drink that in the store. But if we could pour you a sample, you can literally just chill, have a drink. You could do some work. You could treat it like a bar, coffee shop if you want. If I can just pour you a sample and you can go chill, and I'm happy to do that. So that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, we're doubling down for sure in the community, so we want to have as many events as we can. We're like, I mean, the, t- the team and I are like hypothesizing what artist pop-ups look like at a beer distributor, what does music pop-ups look like at a beer distributor, uh, what do, 
I mean, we have we might see 500 people on a Friday night. Like that's not a bad spot for a for a food truck to be. And I'm sure, you know, like, like that's kind of cool. That are selling beer out of there would like they would be much more much happier coming to you guys and having kind of like a pop up event, tasting event there. Yeah, no doubt. Than you know some. You know, it's not great to like put your brand someplace in like a building that's falling apart. It's yeah, like brand new, <laughs> for sure, beautiful, for sure, like beer distributor lining up at the door. Yeah, I mean, I give those, I give a lot of those breweries credit because our old store was pretty, pretty rough. But like you know, need beer either way. Well, but they came, you know, they came through, and they were excited just because I was probably like it was a new owner, and I was glad that we like at least proved them relatively right because the energy in the in those spaces. Like a beer distributor is transactional by nature, but the energy like on a busy night is really like it's popping. Like people are getting ready for the night. They're coming in. They're dressed. They might be just grabbing a, a like a single can to go on the subway, or they might be getting you know five you know cases for the party at their house. Mm -hmm. And like people are like feeling pretty I mean, good. That, you know what I mean? Going out, you know, obviously the best part of the night's the end. The best part of the night is the pregame. You yeah, know? Right? it's, it's like great. When you're at your prime, totally. it always goes goes downhill from there. You know, like everyone's <laughs> right. Is Nothing so good excited. happens at two a.m. Right? Exactly. Everyone's so excited. Yeah, everyone's hype. Everybody at like totally peak happiness. Yeah, like we close at a reasonable time for a normal store, right? We might close <laughs> up at nine or ten o'clock. Everybody from like five to nine is feeling good. Even if they didn't have a drink yet, they're just like popping. They're ready for the night. Like, it's cool. It feels good in there. Yeah, Stones is the first place before anything can then go downhill yeah, for that. Yeah, you get a, yeah, good, for sure. a good, good experience for sure. from it. Yeah, <laughs> so the store is coming along. I'm hoping like February, March, January would be ideal. I mean, beer, if, if people that are listening don't really know, it slows down a ton in the January, February time frame. Does that so obviously for bars it's dry January? Does it, is it kind of the same? Yeah, or you guys are like a little bit separated from that, but it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Like volumes, volume, right? Yeah. Like the macro. It's not like people are like, oh, it's dry January, but I'll go buy. But it I'll go over January. here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's dry January at bars, and it's dry January okay. at beer distributors, okay, and bottle shops and yeah, whatnot. Yeah. So like we we definitely feel that, and we just we just use that time to work on things that we haven't been able to work on, right? Like in August, in November, in early summer, like it's busy. Right. It's it's there's not there's no time to work on a project or launch something new or redesign the website or whatever. So we use it, that downtime as strategically as we can to make sure that we are just ready for busier seasons. Yeah, so that's pretty much how it works. Nice. So we got the beer distributor. Yeah, uh, we talked a little bit before this about like, you know, beer in Pennsylvania is a little bit different, but also yeah, people sure. don't really understand how beer works. You know, the three tier system. Sure. And, you know. Breweries are producers, and yep. then we have wholesalers, and then we have retailers. Yep. So you guys are essentially operating as the retail side of that, but a little bit as the middle tier as well. Yeah. Kind of distributing. Do you want to speak a little bit sure. on kind of what brands you're working with? And sure. Kind of how that works. Yeah. So we did talk about it a little bit. I'll, I'll explain on it briefly. Yeah. When we teach people, we try to be a, a store that is educational in a lot of ways. Like we teach people about beer. We teach people about how beer works. Um, so what you're alluding to about how beer works is really interesting in that there's suppliers like the breweries, there's wholesalers and retailers. This is like written into the law. This is the way it's got to be basically. And it's for good reason, but we are really a split shop, right? So we're a retail store where you can walk in, you can get, the new store will be really a mix between like a, a bottle shop and a beer distributor. You can get every, every single size that you could possibly imagine, but with like the kind of the 
the finishes and like the feel of like a nicer bottle shop that maybe popped up in the last 10 years. Yeah. So we sit on the retail side, pretty, oh, I should not put my hands here. Um, no, you're fine. We, should, <laughs> we sit on the retail side as a pretty, you know, traditional retailer where you can come in and get what you need. And then we have what's called an importing distributor's license. So that allows us to sign brands to exclusive distribution deals. So we have eight brands that are underneath our wholesale arm of the business, and they've entrusted their dream with us for Philadelphia, for the Philadelphia market. So Philly County and the four surrounding counties, we are essentially tasked with distributing their beer to bars, restaurants, other distributors like Mm -hmm. us in the region. So the way that it basically works is once they give us those rights, those rights are essentially lifetime. So we're drinking a we're drinking Rupee right now, which is one of the one of the only craft Indian beers on the planet. Um, this is one of our brands. We love these guys; they're incredible. It's awesome, by the way. Yeah, it's a really, it's really delicious good. beer. Yeah, it's it's brewed it's brewed to pair with spicy cuisine, so it's low carbonated. It's lo, it's not carbonated. It's relatively sweet. It won't overpower your food. But besides the beer, these guys came to us because they're growing really fast. So like, listen, we need distribution in Philly, Philadelphia. They don't. They're a brewery. They don't want to own trucks and drivers and overhead and like be trying to drive their beer all over areas of the country that they don't even know about. We are experts in Philadelphia. We're, we are semi-experts in the suburbs, right? Like we all know the suburbs. They came to us and we're like, hey, we really want to see this in Philadelphia market. We think there's a huge need for it. A couple chats, a couple tastings, and all of a sudden we have a contract and now we ship pallets of, of rupee from their brewery to Stones, and then our sales reps go out and sell that beer, and then we essentially just wholesale it out the door. So there's bars and restaurants all around the, the region that now have rupee in their store. So that's really the long and short of how it works. Uh, the, the, real, the real mind blower for a lot of people is that those contracts are exclusive. So even though I have rupee, uh, or Stones has Rupee as the as the brand. Somebody else has Bud Light, and somebody else has Corona. Like it works on every level. So the Corona that we all drink in Philadelphia is essentially coming from a single company, hmm. and the the Bud wow. Light we all drink at the stadium is coming from a single company. Which is like when I first learned that before I bought the store. Like I had to read up about it too. It's really kind of mind blowing, but there's reasoning behind it, which we don't have to get into on the on the podcast. That I think ultimately like supports beer, and yeah, it's keeps like it a, keeps it monopolies away, yeah. and then it also it gets dangerous when you know large producers are in charge of taprooms as well. It happened in England where it was like the tied houses, and then okay. they were selling. You could sell beer so cheap at retailers that it was just like it wasn't even fair, and then they, there's a big alcohol problem. Yeah, so it, there's a lot of issues for it, but um, you know it does make things a little bit more complicated, but. A little, it makes things a little more complicated on the back end, for sure. I'd say from the retailer side or from a consumer side. Yeah, they don't know. It's all good. Yeah, matter. you know what I mean. It's all good as long as that selection is tight. Then that's that's where it's at for me. Like as long as selection stays, as long as people keep trying to sell us as a retailer a variety of beers that are that are, you know, um, diverse and that you know our consumers are going to be interested in and that we don't just have you know a store full of IPAs. Or a store full of loggers. If we start going that way, like as long as we continue to have variety, like I think we're in good shape. Mm-hmm. You know, what is your variety like? So, like, how many different beers do you guys carry? So yeah, we're one of the better kind of um, 
risk takers, I'd say. Like yeah. we pretty much will bring in most anything for the most part. Yeah, you're saying you Generally. accept in all crafts. So like, yeah, like if a small brewery comes in and just they literally have one beer and there's guys in a truck and they're trying to sell it, I'm like, yes, like give me those <laughs> cases. I want those cases in this store, right? <laughs> one to support them. Yeah. Like I want to, I want to help them build the dream too. And like every little case matters. But also, we have a ton of people that are searching for things that are unique in the store. It's you built that. Like, yeah, yeah, no doubt. Coming in and that's part of why they're coming for here. For sure. And like sometimes, sure, we have plenty of people that are like, I'm the Miller High Life 30 guy. Like I come in for 30 packs of Miller High Life on Fridays and that dude's amazing too. Like, love you. And then there's this whole other arm of people that are just come in and they're looking at their phone. We send a newsletter out every Friday with all the new products. They'll have their phone in their hand and they're literally just have the newsletter up, yeah. looking at the new products and being like, okay, there's a new product rack. They're scrolling down. They just want to see what came in, what's fresh that week. So right now we have a thousand, generally we keep about a thousand um, different products in stock. Uh, that'll wax and wane. Now mm -hmm. we're trimming down a little bit because we're going to move and I'm trying to like, you know, have less pallets of beer in U-Haul trucks. So <laughs> we are trimming down a little bit, but um, we're really proud of, uh, proud of the selection uh, our buyer does a great job of like bringing in stuff that's pretty diverse, uh, pretty diverse, pretty unique. Um, I'd say for the most part, we stick to the stuff that uh, we know will be interesting. Like ultimately, we mm -hmm. want it to be interesting. If it means that at some point we don't sell half that case, like there's a lot of things I can do with half a case of beer that are worth the risk of saying like, you know what, I'll give that beer a shot. Because that half a case of beer, I think we can single it off. We can sample it. We can do a million things that bring value to somebody in the store, even if we know, all right, that case didn't work out. Like, we can't really buy that again. Mm -hmm. But taking the shot on it, I think, is everything for us. Yeah, the mindset of that is just, like, setting you up for success. If you, like, kind of stick to, like, what works, then you're just, like, the same beer distributors that were around 15 years ago. Right. Like, and the same thing goes for grocery. Like, now you can buy beer in a grocery store, which on the consumer side makes a lot of sense. Like, I'm at the grocery store. I want to buy my beer here. I don't want to take another trip. What we're trying to do at Stones is make make it feel like that experience matters. The Stones experience matters because grocery stores they're planogrammed out for the year. You will not see new beer in that grocery store most likely for a year. Like they have, they know every shelf, every spot on the shelf, and what that beer is going to be, and they know it at one point in the year generally, mm. and it doesn't change. So that to me is like sacrilege when it comes to beer. Like I, I <laughs> yeah. don't, obviously I don't brew it. I don't know how to brew it. I'd have to turn to Richie and other people to, to teach me how to do that. But I really enjoy drinking it and I enjoy like experiencing it. I enjoy what it does for like the people that are around me and the good times we have about it or around it. But when I go to a store, whether it be grocery or anywhere else that just has, gives me the same things, like I would struggle, you know? So the beauty of, kind of like the system that we have with the three tier and that stores like ours is like you really truly can find a wide variety of things that will pique your interest. You want to spin those cans, read those labels, as opposed to being like, okay, here I am at X grocery store. I know the top left corner of this fridge will always be ABC beer. Yeah, I think for, like, for producers, it's like, you know, it gives them the ability to then like reach this wider market. So like if they can get in a grocery store chain, then they can like yeah, hit this target. Totally. But from you, I get it. you're taking from the other perspective where like you're looking at like just the consumer and you're taking all this stuff sure. and putting it directly into like your individualized community. Yeah, and let me say, by no means am I, I'm not knocking that down. We're, 
we try to sell yeah, our beer in the grocery hip, stores. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> I, I'm not. This isn't hypocritical of me in this in that sense. Like I get it, and I want to be. I want our brands to be where the consumers are. But at some point, like when I really think about who we're trying to serve at Stones, I don't necessarily need to serve the person who's just conveniently grabbing something at the grocery store, which that's been me too. I get it. I totally get it. I want that. I, I really am trying to like foster the community with the people that want an experience around the beer they're buying as opposed to just something that's transactional. Yeah. You know, so that's strength. That's a so big many ties too, to yeah. all the different brands to, sure. to just you in, in the space too. That's awesome. Yeah. I think it speaks also back to you, Richie about like having, having this thing that you really enjoy, you might be good at and it's fulfilling you in some way. Like that, having a bit of a mission, which I probably have to define that mission a bit more. I don't really have that. I haven't had the time, right? I've been uh, moving businesses yeah, and in there. the middle of COVID. But the <laughs> idea of like having a mission for the business and for um, like our team, I think is a lot of times like rooted in the ability that we're going to be like helping other people. And if that just means we're helping other breweries like spread their dream. And like if somebody comes in and says, hey, can I get some placement in this part of your fridge, like we're a brand new brewery, we're starting out, like that stuff like puts my hair up. Yeah, I mean, because I'm like, dude, you're yeah, doing they're, it. They're not getting into the grocery store. Yeah, man, like that's fucking cool. Like that's what I want to see. Like I, I would love to make that connection. Like you guys are starting something here. Like that is the stuff that I feel like life is like made of, right? Like that's the, like I, I don't just want to have this existence where I just float yeah. through. Like we want to be able to say like, yeah, like I know those guys are over at Brudat. Like they're doing something, they're taking risks, they're trying something different. Like that's the, that's the shit. Like that's what you should be working on in your life. In some regard, it's relative to everybody, of course. But that's kind of what I see with our store with like craft beer too. Is that same kind of vibe, where we want to support the people that are coming in, that are hustling, and that are trying to do something. Yeah, and that's such a fun, energetic like experience to be around too. Yeah. Like if if. if that happens to you frequently it's like you get a passion to see their passion and like that energizes your motivation in a lot of ways too yes it's very cyclical very cyclical like it is just an endless loop of that kind of energy just it feeds me and then we feed it back to the community it's just like and this is an exact part of that like i'm sure the way this came to came into be like richie and i were just like talking at the bar and all of a sudden, he's like, all right, this guy's okay. We had a f- couple more conversations. We have a lot of energy when we're talking about what we're doing. And it just, like, it bleeds in. Mm-hmm. This is the way, this is exactly the way it should be, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's how I met them. It's literally, probably, we're probably <laughs> staying in the same exact spot. Yeah, <laughs> really. <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah. yeah. Do you usually pick a spot? I got a couple spots. You got a couple spots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> got my tactics. Yeah, I don't know. Um, okay, so... You guys, you talk about bringing in new beer. Yeah. Um, like some of these like newer guys that might be just selling out of the back of their truck or whatever. Sure. Um, but say something like, you know, Happy Dad. Like they just got released in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Have you had a release that like, you know, was kind of hyped up? Or like how, how was that Happy Dad like with Like with our brands, you mean? Or? Yeah, like have you had something where like some something that comes into like your store like people are like coming in like oh, right sure. when it comes in like it's kind of for like sure. even waiting for this to come in yeah i'd say probably the biggest one which i'm not i don't like i don't love the teas it's not really my thing but i know that they're big 
Loverboy was probably the biggest one. Hmm. But that had a TV show behind it. It's deli- those things are delicious, but you have to remember, if you drink that much iced tea, you're going to eat kidney stones. It's like <laughs> everything right, yeah. has a negative. Like they're not carbonated. You can drink 15 sure. of them, but they will give you kidney stones. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. You're drinking that much iced tea. It's like nothing against them. I, I love them, but yeah. you, like, you can't drink that much alcohol. You also can't drink that much iced tea. It's too much iced tea. Well, that was like that was pretty big because all these brands that are, that are like that that yeah. have some kind of celebrity backing. Exactly. I mean... There was nobody outside of our old store before that launch, like the moments before it. And then Carl, the guy that is on the show, I've never even seen the show. He was like doing a, doing the event at Stones, the old Stones. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, we had like a banner behind him. It said like Loverboy. And then like the moment that it was supposed to kick off, I mean, we're talking like 50 women out of their cars in a line on the block to get pictures <laughs> of Carl. So like that was really interesting because I was kind of like, all right. I don't really think I know what's happening right now. This is, <laughs> I own this store. I like live in this place. I'm sleeping on the floor. Like, what is this? <laughs> like, who is this dude? What is this brand? So that was probably the biggest one. I mean, Happy Dad, I think, you know, it had a, we're in a different place now, right? Yeah, like, I was just kind of using it as an example. Like, you know, yeah. different things. A lot of buzz in. though, like, right? It had, a, it had a lot of buzz. And like when it got announced that it was in Pennsylvania, that was just like, it wasn't just like, you know, as much as I love Ruby, like, you know, it's just a different feel because it's like totally. just a lot more. There's a lot of money behind it, exactly. right? I mean, it's. Uh, I feel like the Conor McGregor stout just came out too. Right. I feel like it's very similar. Well, I think that's a big, trend, but... right? Too is like seeing celebrities behind alcohol brands. It feels like. Yeah, it's almost just a marketing company that you're just selling the brand with an alcohol brand attached to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, it's fine. I mean, I'm not going to get in the way of anybody making money. Like, do your, thing. Do, your thing. Yeah. Yeah. do your thing. Yeah. Do your thing. And there's, I'm sure Happy Dad has a place for plenty of people. I don't know what moved out of our store so far, but we got a stacker in there, and I'm sure people are picking it up, you know, because they heard about it from Snoop or – is it Snoop? I think it is. Snoop's got the the great one. Okay, um, there you go. They, yeah. they got, like, different celebrities, I think. On different like flavors? Ones. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so anyway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's cool, though. I, I, I like that. I, there's good energy for that, too. I mean, people coming in and having buzz. So is that like, uh, you know, the obviously teas are hot right now. Like, yeah, are yeah. you seeing that? Is that slowing down a little bit? I mean, they were, it was almost like three years ago, like everyone had to have a seltzer and then it slowed down a little bit. And there's almost like teas stole a little bit of that. Yep. Is teas slowed down? Or are teas they are, hot? Teas have slowed down a little bit from like the peak okay, maybe two yeah. years ago. Seltzers have definitely trailed off. But they're still around. I mean, yeah. White Claw still they're crashes. Not, they're not leaving. Yeah, they're not going to leave. They've they're just a they're stabilization. Just, exactly. You know, the biggest thing, which is not relative to me, I mean, it's relative to me, but I can't sell it, is, you know, ready-to-drink cocktails. Like, that's... I'm not, I'm not yeah. telling anybody any... You know, everybody knows this. Anybody watching this podcast knows that. Um, we'd love to see them in our store. It feels like that makes a lot of sense in our store. It's almost crazy. Like, the way that it's produced is just... It's distilled and has distilled spirits. But it's the same exact amount of alcohol, so it's like, like, what, what are we doing? Yeah. But yeah. Still, it's like it's it's kind of odd. It's like locked up a bit. Laws yeah, like it's kind of funny. Like you can't sell it distilled, even though it's the same amount of alcohol. Yeah, it'll be. And then like you can sell like malt fireball shots. Yes. Even though it's like an actual fireball shot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, tastes just like fireball. Exactly. Looks just like it. There's yeah. like literally the only difference is it says like malt. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I know it's it's funny. And I, I'm not gonna rag on I, I got so I've so little control over the laws, I just have to I gotta do yeah. what, I, what I what I have control over, right? Um but yeah, I mean RTDs have definitely taken, I think, snatched away the seltzer that the the seltzer craze was really like 
the, the knees were cut out from underneath it because of RTDs, I'd say, and it's really, for the most part. It's really interesting because aside from seltzers that have all their own individual brands, it yeah. seems like the ready-to-drink cocktails have so many different already brands that are switching into like the hard lemonade. Sure. Or, uh, like I just say, oh, the... Yeah, the crossover. There's crossover brands between the two, for sure. Yeah, there's a, there's so many of them right now. I think the inter- one interesting thing about the industry right now is like nobody can really per- nobody can really put their finger on like why cider's like doing really well. Because <laughs> it is. Like cider's have a little bit of resurgence too. Uh, I can't really place it either. <laughs> but there's, there's... I think just like what we were saying before about how craft beer got kind of like saturated on the on the hoppy end and the ipas and like they're kind of nuts now that that's coming back like it's coming back for kind of everything like that's maybe where i'm thinking cider is having a bit of a resurgence as well yeah i think beer might be just a little bit more stable i don't know why but like it took beer is just stable now it's not that it's shrinking it's just kind Mm -hmm. of it's hit a point where it's like 13 and a half percent of the industry yeah and i think that's like a Maybe a little bit more than that is probably like where it should sit, but sure. I think that it's always craft beer as a premium product. Right. It, it's never going to be the largest product. Sure. Beer. So maybe like people that switch over to the maybe the seltzers and then the teas, and it's just like they're looking for that type of product where it's like it's less carbonated or it's mm-hmm. less flavor or more flavorful, whatever sure. it is. But you know, there it's a lot easier to go from like a seltzer to a tea to a cider than it is maybe to just go from craft beer. So maybe craft right. beer is just a bigger larger slower burn and these other things are just yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. kind of flare up and then kind of yeah i think that's pretty quick. good that's a good assessment of it for sure um yeah do we have uh any other beers yeah you want to talk yeah, about let's, some beers? Yeah. let's take, so, uh, uh, take a look at some of these you mentioned before this what it, what is this um, all right so rupee is what we were just drinking yeah this is a craft indian lager this was started by two guys whose parents uh were or are uh, restaurant tours, so they grew up in the like Indian restaurant world. Mm-hmm. Uh, two Indian brothers, and they realized like as they aged, they were like around your age, that there was like no good craft Indian beer. So they made one. I mean, when you said this, I was yeah. like, "What is craft Indian beer?" And then I'm like reading about it. It says it's got because it, it tastes like a lager. Like, it doesn't have like I think sometimes people try to make sometimes people try to make beer for. You know, other countries or something. They'll make like an Irish something. They'll put like clovers in it. Like, yeah, no one in Ireland is drinking beer with clovers in it. But like, this is like actually a beer that people in India would drink. And yeah, this is basmati rice. Yeah, it's got maize. rice and corn in it. So yep. I guess whatever people are drinking in. So you think like, you know, Bud Light is rice based, and like some of the other light beers are mm-hmm. strictly corn based. So maybe this is like Indian beer. Yeah, this is this rice and corn. This initial like recipe from them is a traditional Indian beer recipe that they've modified a bit. They've yeah. lowered the carbonation so that it really complements well with spicy foods. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, this is a super unique beer for us. It's incredibly narrow, right? It's like mm-hmm. we're not going to walk into every small corner bar in Philly and be like, hey, yeah. you want to carry some rupee? Yep. <laughs> but every Indian bar, every Should. Indian beer, every, or every Indian restaurant, every Indian you know, associated place is like, yeah, well, of course, I need that. I need to have that in my store, you know? And, every, and lots of beer distributors are owned by, you know, people that are from India. So that, too, is like an, a really easy hmm. approach for us. Uh, and the guys are authentic. They're they're Indian guys, and they it live and breathe. It's kind of market. Is, like, India is, like, the second biggest country in the world. Yeah. It might be the largest country in the world now. And like, I, besides this, I can't name one Indian beer. Right. I know. So, it's yeah. tough. And there's a it's huge tough. Indian population here and in Jersey and, for yeah, sure. and for even sure. a lot of parts of New York. So. 
Yeah. Yeah. Do we want to? Um, I don't have an opener on me. Guys, have one. I have one out, one out there though. All right. So this is Belgica. It's from Belgium. It's brewed in a in a brewery that's 600 years old. It is, as you can see, if we keep any of this in, these beers just uh, kind of bubbled over on us. This is a living <laughs> beer. So this beer is is brewed in a way. It's fermented and it referments in the bottle. Bottle condition. It's good for three years. Wow. That's really cool. It's incredible. <laughs> um, it only gets better with time. We this this every beer that Belgica puts out has won a medal in the states. I gave you guys one other one. This is like their bestseller. This is their traditional, you know, Belgium triple. Um, it's incredibly simple. It's incredibly smooth. You have no idea it's got as much alcohol in it as it does. And for us, this is an incredibly unique offering because when I think about Belgian beers, at least in Philly. You know, there's all the regular players that we've seen forever. It's very rarely like a new Belgian beer, at least from from my perspective. Like I've never tried to, I, no one ever tries to sell me a new one. I can say that. Like it's really just all the standard Belgian beers that I always see. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and I ha I don't go to Monks enough to probably see more of the more Belgian beers that I haven't seen before. So when we had the opportunity to bring these guys in. Uh, this is like their first entry into the states. I mean, what what sort of price point is this? Is this like a? I mean, this it's a triple, but is this like a one of these fancy beers where it costs a ton of money or like how? For sure, is this it is like almost like Chimay. Yeah, not okay. not as we're like this is probably forty dollars cheaper than Chimay. Okay, by by case. Yeah. So like a a case of these might go for like one sixteen something like that. I have to I'd have to look. Yeah. So it's not. But it's eight and a half percent. You know, it's yeah. like you're not. Buying a four and a half percent. Yeah, no. <laughs> and this is not a beer that necessarily you're gonna drink. Like you're special gonna special beer. Yeah, you're gonna buy these for special occasions. I'm not. This isn't a beer that we bought to sell at incredible volume. Like this is a beer that we bought to sell to restaurants that want something that's really nice. It's on the high end for people to bring to Christmas dinner. You know, something that's special, that's unique. That you know, you don't see this. Like mm -hmm. we don't. This beer isn't around yet. So the idea of us being able to be one of the first cities that even carries us in, the whole, in the, all the United States, I think, is really intriguing to us. Like we like the idea of kind of being one of the first. Is this the only beer that you guys import? No, we import one other brand, which is Ray. Oh, this is the Mexican beer, right? Yeah, so this is Ray. This is a craft brewery out of Mexico. Super interesting. Like every Mexican beer that we know, right, is a pretty traditional Mexican mm -hmm. You know, light bodied, mm -hmm. you name it, Corona, Modelo, I mean, Tecate, run them down. They're all the same kind of beer. With these guys, they're trying to introduce Mexicans in Mexico, so people from Mexico, to craft beer. I was just okay. in Mexico. I had some craft beer down there. It's it's not like, you know, like you like, oh, they're just figuring it out. They've got to figure it out. Yeah. Like, you know, you're drinking hazy IPAs that drink, like, taste like orange juice. <laughs> yeah, you're drinking like West Coast IPAs. They're dude, like, these guys, it's all figured out. These guys are so cool. They literally, their mission is to convince the people of their country, and they're from Mexico. They live there. In, in Rey, Monterrey is the name of the city they, that this is from. So Rey is the, means king. Yeah. Rey is the, the shorthand. They are brewing these type of styles to introduce their fellow their fellow uh, statesmen to beer that is not a traditional Mexican beer. So this is a stout. This is a Mexican stout, which is like when they go, when they're in Mexico, they have a tap house there. 
they pour this for people, and like the people that are from Mexico go, "That's a dark beer. I don't want to. I don't want to touch that beer. I don't want to drink that." So this, is it Mexican stout? It's Mexican Does stout. Does it have peppers in it? Because I know that like sometimes like when in America when we say Mexican stout, it means that it's like a dark beer that has like chili peppers in it, or like not that it's spicy. This um, doesn't have peppers in it that I know of. Um, it doesn't drink in a spicy way, or it okay. doesn't have a bite. They call it a summer stout. Okay. It's light. It's uh. It's light-bodied, but it's f- super flavorful. You guys can drink this, uh, you know, at another time. But yeah, that's our other one that we import. We import this this beer from Belgica, or this beer from Belgium, Ray from Mexico, and then we have Rupee and f- five other brands that we're we're repping right now in Philly and the surrounding counties. So that's, that's been like a that's been a ride too. You know, it's been a really interesting ride to like learn this other side of the business that we traditionally didn't do. Like our store has been a retail store yeah. for as long as it's been in existence until two years ago when we were like, all right, let's try this. I mean, you gotta be the most motivated person ever. Like you went from starting this thing up <laughs> Thanks, and you man. went through COVID and then you went through this new building Thanks. and now you're like, all right, let's get into wholesale distribution. <laughs> you're like- The whole t- wholesale Thanks, distribution man. is this free time. I, so agree, like, I appreciate that. Anymore, but I'm like, I think you're bringing it on yourself. Like, yeah, probably, probably. <laughs> Yeah, this is all, well. I, this is all self-imposed. I, I would I would really agree with that, honestly. Like when I when I in the moments that I do have a bit of a complaint, there is a voice in my head very quickly that says like, you know, you this is all you created all this, like you created this th- some of this angst and some of this pain a little bit. Yeah, but, but it's been fun. Like it is fun though. Like this is really interesting to us. Like we. That same thing you were talking about. I mean, about, it's part of your culture. I mean, yeah, that's, it that's really still, is. It's like what you're doing. It really is because these guys all have their dream too. And I love the idea of being kind of like the antithesis of what a lot of the big wholesalers are in our region. The, a lot of the big wholesalers that, have, that are in our region, they've been around forever. So they have like, they got, a, they got it down, right? They've had big beer brands for 100 years. We're doing this for two years. We know what we don't want to be. And some aspects of those big wholesalers we would love to adopt and some we would love to never adopt. So we like the idea of being like, the kind of like community focused wholesaler where we really know our brands not like i know how to sell rupee it's like i want to know the guys at rupee like i want to know van and sumit who run rupee i want them to come to philly and i want to go to dinner and i want to go visit the guys federico and pato in monterey mexico like i want our team to go there and like drink the beer at their in their brewery like that to me it's kind of what you're getting at. Like, that's the part of life that yeah, should like, be happening, you know? You know? Having you on in the beginning, it's like, you know, like, why are we having a beer distributor on there? Like, he's just, like, dishing out, like, warm Bud Lights. But, like, you know, it's, like, I'm trying to, like, we're not having just brewers on here. Like, we're having yeah. everybody in the industry on because, like, there's the whole industry. It's not just people that make beer that make this sure. industry special. It's, like, everybody is kind of all on board and it's, like, yeah. it's part of the culture of kind of making this special. So. Yeah, the beer culture is... It's really key. I mean, I appreciate what you guys are doing just to have me on because it's like a, it's a real honor, and I, I don't I don't really ever do this kind of stuff. So, the fact that I could even just like I'm really just like spitting it out of my head right now. We didn't come in with anything planned. Like I don't I don't have any, you don't I don't have, have any notes. It, it you wasn't know what I mean? planned. Like, I was telling you something. This is just who yeah. you are. This is your business, and like let's kind of show yeah. people what this is about. Yeah. So yeah, it, the the wholesale side has been really cool, especially just finding that thread of community like through it is is key, really key. So that's that's what's bringing us, myself, and the rest of the team that works at Stones, 
which is a wide variety of people, like that through line of community really continues to like ring true for us. And the more that we can continue to just double down on that, I think we'll all be happier. We'll probably have a better business and better is relative, right? It doesn't mean it's always going to be better financially, but it, it could be happy. People could come in, like really enjoy work. You know, they don't have to, I don't want to give anybody the Sunday scaries. Like I want people that are really excited about coming in even if it's something that's temporary for them, even if it's something that's just like, yeah, I'm going to have this for the year while I get through school. It's like, well, it's going to be a really good year, man, because we're going to have a good time. And not just your business. Like you're talking about the community, like everybody that's around your business, your wife's business is across the street from yours. Like you're almost creating this little community where like, you know, like you're creating this. So now people can come in and enjoy what you guys are doing. No doubt. No doubt. Cool. Well, thank you for coming on. Yeah. I think we've had a great time today. My pleasure. Um, so go check out Stones Brewing over in Brewerytown, and then once you guys open in a couple months over on... Uh, what, 17th and Fairmount. Awesome. Yep, so we're right in Fairmount, right on Fairmount Ave. Cool, and where can we find you guys on social media? Yeah, Stone, uh, social media is at Stones Philly. So Brittany is our director of marketing. She crushes it on our social media. We we definitely have the best social media of of our fellow beer distributors <laughs> in Philly. I love you guys. I don't know if anybody's <laughs> going to watch us. But we are, we are doubling down on that, too. We want to... I gotta, I'm, I'm in the middle there. I'm 40 this year. So I got like enough of the social media stuff to like know that I can't really do it. I need someone younger <laughs> to do it. And I'm not quite so old where I'm like, ah, I don't need it. You know what I mean? I'm somewhere in the middle. So yeah, at Stones Philly on social media. Uh, our website is stonesphilly.com. Like I said, it's a great, incredible great beer buying website. Beer no doubt. If you're trying to like order through like any other website, you know, like hit you with delivery fees. And like the fact that you guys are like $4.99 or $4.50 yeah. is like, like I said, to me, that's free. It's like almost like, yeah. it's too good to be true. Yeah, I appreciate that. And like the site for us is not, it's not normal like for stores like ours to have these kind of websites, but we're really making a bet on the fact that like, all right, everything is pretty much getting your, delivered to your door now. Beer is only, there's only 0.2% of beer is delivered to, to people's doors in the States. Wow. So I feel like there's a lot of runway. Like wow. maybe we can be early in some of that runway and get a bit of a, a stronghold on like, all right, this is this is this place to buy beer online, um, at least in the city. So that's super organic, all our own. We take all the photos in house. That same Brittany who runs our social media, she takes all the photos. She loads everything herself. Like it's all us. Um, so yeah, at Stones Philly, stonesphilly.com, 17th and Fairmount in 2024. Right now, we're at 31st and Jefferson in Brewerytown. Uh, yeah. I would love any support, any shout outs, critiques. I mean, I'm open to it all. Whatever you guys want to give me. Yeah. Cool. All cool. Right, awesome. Shout out uh, all your plugs. Uh, now nah, we don't need to. We'll be. I'll be back on in the next few episodes anyway. So cool. follow Brudat. Yeah. Brudat podcast on all your social media platforms, and uh, you'll be back in two weeks. Right on.